Amen. Week 12, birthing a new thing. Well, just to remind you, last week, the last judge we talked about was Jephthah. Jephthah was a man who was born from a prostitute. And because he was born from a prostitute, his brothers and everyone around him just disregarded him. Because of of his past, because of his circumstances, they said, you ain't the type of church people that we want leading our church people. Y'all ever met those kind of church people? Because of your past, because of your condition, because of how you grew up, because you didn't grow up in church, because you don't wear slacks in church, because you don't wear a tie, because you got a tattoo, because you got this, because you drank a little too much at one time, we can't use you. Y'all know those church people. We can't use you. Well, Jephthah... His brothers didn't like the fact that he came from a different condition. So they disregarded him. They said, we don't want you. But there was a thing about Jephthah, he was strong. So when they got between a rock and a hard place, if you will, guess who they called upon? Jephthah. They said, hey, man, we need you. And he was like, oh, you need me now. But instead of holding on to that bitterness, instead of holding on to that anger, he relented, if you will. He put himself before God and said, God, Use me, do what you want to do. I'm going to let you uh, use me to lead the people into victory. So I want to read the last few verses of Judges chapter 12 because there's a few more judges listed and it sets us up for Judges chapter 13. Judges 12, verses 7 through 15. Jephthah judged Israel for six years. When he died, he was buried in one of the towns of Gilead. After Jephthah died, Ibzan from Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of daycare bills. That's a lot of of cereal boxes. That's a a lot of diapers. He sent his daughters to marry men outside his clan, and he brought in 30 young women from outside his clan to marry his son. Ibzan judged Israel for seven years. I told everyone last night, I wish marriages were still arranged because it would make my life a lot easier. Amen? Maybe not amen, but. (laughs) Verse 10. When he died, he was buried at Bethlehem. After Ibzan died, Elon from the tribe of Zebulon judged Israel for 10 years. When he died, he was buried at Ajilahalon, sure, in Zebulon. Y'all, I can't pronounce this stuff. I'm doing better, though. Verse 13. After Elon died, Abdon, son of Hillel from Pirathon, judged Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons. You see, this is where the COVID restrictions come in. Who rode on 70 donkeys. He judged Israel for eight years. And when he died, he was buried at Pirathon in Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. Hmm. Who were the Amalekites? The enemies, right? So you got four judges in these few verses. You got Jephthah, and then you got these three judges we don't know much about. What's interesting is to me that we see is all these kids, you got 30 kids and 40 kids and 60 kids and 30 grandsons, and it really speaks to their wealth. God's obviously blessing them. They got 70 donkeys. They've got all this stuff that they have acquired. But then it says they've got all these kids, which really means we can see why they're about to fall into oppression because when you got that many kids, trust me, it ain't by one woman. So you got these men of God with multiple wives. They're marrying with all these women, having all these kids. And then they're taking their kids and it says they're they're marrying them out to all these other tribes, including the tribes of the Amalekites, which is the what? The enemy. So what they're doing is they are actually trying to secure their God-given position by intermingling with the cultures and the surrounding areas. They're using what God has given them, taking it into their own hands and trying to secure their position. They're making alliances with other tribes in the area through marriages. Because even when you're walking with God, oftentimes you can fall into a trap of using his favor for your selfish ambition. And soon you find yourself in a season of drought without and wondering how you got there. 
like God's blessing you financially, but you never ask him what to do with the financial blessing. God gave you a way out, and you haven't honored him with the way out. God gave you a break, but you never said, what do you want me to do with the break? God gave you children, but you have never once considered asking him, how would you have me steward this child? Because you've forgotten the reason they're here is not because you got together with your woman or your man. The reason your child was given to you was because God started knitting together that child before you ever fell in love with your significant other. The reason they're here is not just because of you. You're just simply there to manage their purpose. And if you have never had a talk with God about their purpose, you are mismanaging your son or daughter. So wake up, parents. Okay. If you, have, <laughs> if you have never had a conversation with God about the purpose of your son or daughter, you are mismanaging your son or daughter. And it's not too late, even if they grown. Start having conversations. Well, well, I can't dictate how my son or daughter makes decisions. Well, start praying into God, how would you have me pray for my son or daughter? Because I want to intercede on behalf so the prayers will be lifted up like incense before you and the fragrance of my prayers starts to get into their nostrils, if you will. And they start hearing some things. And for some reason, there's some convictions. And for some reason, there's some shifting in the mind and some turning and some... Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But we love to take stuff back and... I got all kind of spit coming out, so I'm glad no one's in the front row. We love to take stuff back in our own hands when we see increase. Instead of keeping in this posture of praise and posturing every decision before God. So the people are doing this. They're like, God, thank you for giving us freedom back and peace back, but just in case you ain't going to protect us, we're going to intermarry with tribes. God, just in case our immune systems aren't good enough, we're going to put masks on everybody. Ooh. (laughs) Just in case your architect wasn't good enough, God. (laughs) Okay. So they're in this cycle of a doing their own thing, getting caught up in their evil ways, and then we have Judges 13, verse 1. And by now, if you've been paying attention to this series, you could probably recite it. Judges 13, verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. See? They were marrying multiple women, having all these kids with multiple people, Marrying them off to make alliances to establish themselves and keep themselves secure. No wonder. You notice how long the judges reigned for? Six years, seven years, ten years, eight years. It wasn't no 20 or 40 year reign anymore. They had short times of reigning. They They weren't living in such a way to have sustainable living. And after 31 years of living in a such a way where they were depending on their own strategy and not God's, Finally, God said, all right, after 31 years of doing it your way, I'm going to hand you over to the enemy for the next 40 because what you reap is what you're going to sow. America, you are so dependent on your freedom, you can have it. And your freedom is actually your chains. It's funny how we live in the land of the free and we exalt our freedom over our ability to say, God, can I sacrifice my freedom for your way? I had the right to choose, and God says, well, can you sacrifice all that for my way and my will? You see, we, for, we, we exalt our ability as Americans to choose over our ability as kingdom citizens to sacrifice. We have the right to do whatever we want. That is our biggest fall. As people, I can do what I want, when I want, however I want. That's the problem. Don't exalt yourself. But you know what a king does? When I decree, you obey. What's our, what's our issue? We exalt our right that we can say we're not going to. 
when God says, could you sacrifice your right and live under my will and let my will be done, not your will be done? Raise your kids like I want you to. What is the American way? Don't spank your kids. What is God's way? Spare the rods, spoil the child. Well, that's just not how we do it today. Well, that's why your child's rotten. <laughs> that's why we got to have extra people in our kids. Okay. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. Those, those, yeah, those parents ain't in here today. Just kidding. Just kidding. They're, <laughs> they're in this cycle of sin, bondage, repentance, deliverance, blessing, and now they're back into sin. And as they continue in this cycle, the next judge, God gives Israel Samson. And Samson is this man of great strengths, but he's also a man of great weaknesses. Just like Israel, great highs, great lows, and we all got great highs and great lows and although Samson we will see does great things for God we also see so much unfulfilled potential and there are so many times we are on the verge of great opportunity but we never see the potential of the opportunity fulfilled and the opportunity fulfilled could be the very thing needed for the great deliverance of this land so we're going to read about how Samson came to be and how that is the process for us to birth new things. Because I guarantee you some of you have had some ideas that just don't make sense. You've had some dreams that you think, you don't know my past, I can't bring this dream into fruition. You don't, I don't have the education to bring the dream into fruition. Do you realize that the greatest things brought into fruition in the Bible were people that were not good enough to even get in the educational system? Do you realize that some of the richest people even in America are people who just didn't? Do you realize that Steve Jobs dropped out of college? But we love to put things on our Americanized idea of a filter. And we have so much unrealized, but we got dreams and we've got ideals and we just, we come up with every excuse as to why I can't. You don't know my past, you don't know my story, you don't know my mistakes, you don't know who I am. And God says, but I do. So let's read. Look at Judges chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant. And they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you've been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. And the angel of the Lord appeared and gave a message to a barren woman, a woman that could not have a child, and said, You, the one that's never gave birth to a single thing, you're going to give birth to the one that I want to use to deliver Israel. Do you realize what just happened? What was the thing that they were depending on to keep them safe? We're going to intermarry with a bunch of people, have 30 kids, 40 kids, 60 kids, marry them off, and the one that God wants to use is the one who's got how many kids? None. He says, what the culture's been using to work, I'm going to do something completely opposite of the culture. Because God wants to birth new things through something that is not normal to the culture of this world. 1 John 2.15, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love this world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Kyle, how can I increase my relationship with God? How can I become more like God? Look at the things you love that are not of him. Well, how do I know what are the things I love? What are the things you can't die to? What are the things 
I just can't let go of that. In that area, you have no love of God. You do not have the love of the Father in that area of your life. You have not died to it. Well, that's a harsh word. Good. Because what's the vision of this house? To see people come alive, not to see people maintained. So if you're going to come alive in the area, we need to expose the places that you in maintenance mode. And if you've got an area that you cannot let go of, you love it more than the ability to sacrifice it. So is what you love of him or is it of the world? If you depend on something more than him, if you get peace from anything that's not of him, you love that more than God no matter what you say. Well, I depend on this to get peace, but I love God. In that area, no, you don't. That's hard. Well, chew on that for a little while. God says the things to save this world will be birthed through a means that is abnormal to cultural norms. What were the cultural norms of that day? Many wives, many kids. Manoah had one wife, and this woman couldn't have any kids. And let me just say this. It's really funny how the angel Lord's talking to Manoah's wife. Barren woman. You can't have any kids. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. The way he's talking to this woman, the way he talked to, 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 to Abraham's wife, and the way he talked to John the Baptist mama, the way he talked to Mary, God ain't even doing nothing new with the announcement of Jesus' birth. That's, that's, too, that's too theologically deep. Because <laughs> he's the same yesterday, today. Okay. The, <laughs> the angel appears to this woman. Married to one man who couldn't have kids. Because God says, I'm not going to depend on cultural norms. You ever notice the story of Lazarus rising out of the tomb? You ever notice he was dead for four days? You want to know why? Because the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious culture of the day says, once you're dead for three days, the spirit of the man left. So Jesus said, what did Jesus say? Hey, Lazarus is dead. Jesus says, I'll be back in four days. Because I want to come back after your cultural said there ain't no chance. I don't know what that, That's a new move. It's a new, new thing being birthed. Look at Romans 12 too. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Don't gather for Thanksgiving. but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Just because it is fruitful to the culture doesn't mean God wants to use that cultural norm. Why do we seek the answers from a fallen world? Through the lens of a fallen world and not the lens of a perfect heaven that we claim we want to reside and break through here on earth. Our Father, you know, we, we, we pray things like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, but we never pray through the lens of in heaven for the earth. We always pray through the lens of the earth. You want to know what I'm talking about? Thursday night at men's group, George Who's, he, he's a Saturday night guy. You'll get to meet him if you come thir- uh, Saturday, probably Saturday to the family Thanksgiving. He talked about how crops were originally produced. Let me tell you how crops are produced today. And you, Anybody ever been on a farm? Three, four, five, six. Now y'all raising your hands, right? All right. The way crops are, you got a row of plants, then you got a Space, and you got a road, and you got, a, you got nothing, then you got a road, then you got nothing, right? And then you, 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 you spray them, and you feed them, and you do all this, and you got all this acreage of land. You ever ride in Effingham County, and I'm, when I say Effingham, no longer rinking or even mostly got into my deep Effingham, like the Methingham side of Effingham. 
Oh, y'all don't know about that. You go into deep effing, I'm just kidding, y'all. Y'all chill out. You go into the Effingham side, and you'll, or even if you go up in the Statesboro, you see acreage of all these fields of farmland. It's beautiful, isn't it? And what happens is you produce all this fruit, and it's beautiful, and it's bright. But here's the problem with it. In order to do that, to get a lot of fruit really quick, you, you have pesticides, and you've got growth chemicals, and you've got all this stuff to produce good fruit. It's good. Nothing wrong with it. It's good fruit. But it's not the purest form of the fruit. But it's a lot of fruit really quick. You want to know how they used to do it? They would, they would take a small area of land and they would plant the stuff as close together as possible without space. And it would take longer to grow. But it would grow in its purest form without any need for pesticides or chemical treatment. Can I say it? And the way we farm today is how we have the megachurch. It produces really quick and a lot of fruit. But the issue with the fruit is it looks really bright and beautiful on the outside but it ain't got much depth to it on the whole. Is that okay? Is it? But then you got what God is starting to do in a new kind of revival where he's like, let me take the small crops and let me bring them together. And it may take a lot longer to produce, but what is produced they're going to change the world. Now, I'm not saying that's not glorifying God. Not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that God is wanting to go back to how it started. God's wanting to do a new thing and birth a new thing through something that even the culture of the church has began to embrace in a different way I believe that the new thing that God wants to birth is not going to be about how can you create a system to produce much fruit it's going to be how are you going to produce fruit that is going to be sustained that is going to be slower but that fruit that's going to be produced you may not even see it in your lifetime because we get obsessed with you know, I want to see the return on my investment. That's, that, that, is, that is a worldly cultural view. Why is that? Because if you believe that you are saved, then you believe that you have eternal what? Life. So if you really believe you have eternal life, then why do you need to see fruit in the life of a 70-year span on earth? I don't think some of y'all got that. If your life is eternal, what if your fruit produces after you leave the earth? Through your kids, through their kids, through the seed of a new model planted through crazy people like us. But we just want to see the fruit produced now. And if it ain't producing now, then it's worthless. Worldly culture. I'm glad the disciples didn't think that way. Because you know what their kingdom culture was? You can tar us, you can feather us, you can crucify us, but we standing. And you know what? They died in the same time. that They, they died, but what, ha what happened? Expansion. Y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> to birth a new thing, you, you, you got to look at it in a new way.
not with the norms of the culture. Hmm. And many times God gives you new ideas and wants to birth new things in you and new things through you, but we put it through the, the lens of what's culturally acceptable, and God says, no, 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 no. I want to do it through a system that is opposite of the world. I want to do it through a system that is heavenly, and the world's not going to get it. So watch what the angel says, verse 4. Because she says, barren woman, one husband, one wife, I'm going to give you a child. Verse 4. This all right? So be careful. You must not drink wine. Now don't worry, I'm not preaching you can't drink. That's, just let you know, that ain't scriptural. Well, to be a Christian, you can't have that call. That's not what the scripture says. Okay? It says don't be drunk with it. All right? But listen to this, because I'm going to show you something. Because just because it says you can, doesn't mean you should. Okay. Because it's not about how close can I get to the line. It's a, let me, okay. How much am I willing to be set up? Okay. But, oh, it's coming. It's coming. Because we love to see how close can we get to the line. But that's why no one's being checked. Okay. Verse 4. Be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a what? A Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So the angel tells Manoah's wife, your son, that God's going to allow you to become pregnant with, even though you're barren, he's going to be given to you for a purpose. Parents, your kids were given to you for a purpose. For Manoah's wife, the purpose is your son is going to deliver the people from their oppression. But if he's going to do that, he's going to have to walk a certain way from the moment he's born, and the way he's going to have to walk is as a Nazarite. He can't have alcohol. He can't have his hair cut. And not just from the moment he's born, but even in the womb. Because it wasn't just Samson who's going to have to walk as a Nazarite. The angel gave the instructions to the who? The mama. Because a seed produces after its own kind. You plant an apple seed, you get a what? Apple. You don't get a cucumber when you plant an apple seed. If you do, you're doing something wrong. But for some reasons, parents think, I can live like I want, but as long as I bring my kids to church. Is that a good watch it? Because <laughs> regardless of what you think, your kids hold you in the highest regard. And when they see you bring them to church and you go home and you live like hell, They hold you in the highest regard. So God says, if this is going to work, you're going to have to live what I want him to live. And I know that this is, can, can be tough for some of y'all, but this can be life-changing if you accept it and not reject it. Because everything can be redeemed in a moment. Oh, I, I've sowed too much incorrupt. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It can be, it can be redeemed. It can be redeemed today if you take, if you take it and accept it. Because God bought the, the, the way back through Jesus. You ain't got to earn anything. You just got to walk it out. Okay? So, there's a Nazarite vow given. And I want to read this Nazarite vow. And the Nazarite vow is given in a very obscure book that most people don't want to read. I'm pretty sure if I ever said I'm going to do a complete series of this book, most people wouldn't come to church. It's the book of Numbers. We'll probably get a bunch of like mathematicians and tax collectors, and but <laughs> what are they called, tax agents? I don't know what they're called now. So, any of y'all tax people in here? Amen, accountants, accountants. We got someone that'll come to the Numbers <laughs> series. <laughs> Numbers chapter 6, 
verses 1 through 12. Check out the Nazarite vow. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, let me just say that real quick. Jesus did not say men and women had the access to me. The Father did. Okay? Even in the Old Testament, despite what the culture said, the heavenly culture spoke. There are different roles, but both have access. Okay? But there are different roles. Okay? Just throwing that out there. Eat it how you want it. But there's only one, one food. In, okay. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to the Lord in a special way, they must give up. Now look at this. Wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must not use vinegar made from wine or from other alcoholic drinks. They, they can't even drink fresh grape juice. That's communion. That's wine or grape juice. They must not even eat grapes or raisins. They, they probably wouldn't even watch California Raisin. They're like, you, you can't have wine. You can't have raisins. You can't have grapes. You can't have grape juice. Nothing. As long as they are bound by the Nazarite vow, they're not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine. Not even the grape seeds or the skins. They must not even cut their hair throughout the time of their vow. See, I wouldn't even be able to be a Nazarite. For they are holy and set apart for the Lord. Until the time of their vow has been fulfilled, they must let, let their hair grow long. I am not going to have a mullet with a bald spot. Verse 6, they must not go near a dead body during the entire period of the vow. Listen to this. Even if a dead person is their own father, mother, brother, or sister, they must not defile themselves. For the hair on their head is a symbol of their separation to God. Perhaps that's where Jesus got, hey, foxes have dens and this thing has this thing and this thing has this thing, but if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up some stuff. And the guy says, well, Lord, I want to follow you, but let me go bury my, my dad first. And Jesus says, let the, bur let the dead bury themselves. You, you're, you're set apart. You see how the New Testament fulfills the, okay. This is, this is good stuff. Where, where am I at? Verse, verse 8. This requirement applies as long as they are set apart to the Lord. If someone falls dead beside them, the hair they have dedicated will be defiled. Can you imagine what someone would do if they've been growing their hair for 25 years and someone has a heart attack? They would be, they would be so mad. Because look what happens. Verse 9, if someone falls dead beside them, their hair they have dedicated will be defiled. They must wait for seven days, shave their heads, they will be cleansed from their defilement. On the eighth day, they must bring two turtle doves or, or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one of the birds for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will purify them from the guilt they incur through contact with the dead body. Then they must reaffirm their commitment, let their hair begin to grow again. The days of their vow that were completed before their defilement will no longer count. Can you imagine? No beer, no wine, no grape juice, no grapes, no raisins, no cutting the hair, and dude has a heart attack next to you and dies. That whole 25 years, they're like, it don't count. I bet, I bet they believe in healing like that. <laughs> in Jesus' name, be healed. <laughs> right? They'd be doing CPR with that before it was even invented. <laughs> right? Verse 12. Something's wrong with me. 
The days of their vow that were completed before the defilement no longer count. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord as a Nazarite from the full term of their vow. Each one must bring a one-year-old lamb for a guilt offering. That's a whole other level of commitment to be a Nazarite. But did you see why they had to do that? So that they were set apart. So that when people saw these Nazarites walking around, there was no question who they represented. By the way they spoke, by the way they lived, by the way they lived their life, there was no question that they were God's people. And you know what the sad thing is? Most people who say they believe in God, it would have to take a long time for them to even know that you were a believer. Because we really don't live, we really don't live set apart anymore. There's nothing that differentiates us. Christians live together outside of marriage. Christians are sexually immoral. Christians uh, drink to high heaven. Christians smoke everything in the book. Christians watch anything and everything and laugh at all kind of immorality. Christians have the most crude jokes. Christians have no separations in our music or entertainment. Christians vote for things that do not exalt God. There's nothing set apart about us. And we want to birth a new thing. At some point, we've got to be different. Well, I'm a Christian. According to my Bible, whether you like this or not, let me see how you live. <laughs> it's not enough to just proclaim the name of Jesus. I say it a lot, but Jesus says, many will proclaim my name. But I will say to them, I never knew you. Well, I said a salvation prayer and I got baptized. Thank God you walked into a membership system. Nowhere in my Bible is there a salvation prayer. You know how Saul got, you know how Saul got saved? He got blind on the road to Damascus, and his first response was, Lord, that was his salvation prayer. Blindness. You know what Peter's salvation experience was? Hey man, you catching any fish? No. We ain't doing this day and night. I ain't getting no fish. I don't even know why I'm a fisherman. I need to pick a new career. Why don't you throw your nets on the other side? No, nah, man, that's not what we do. We've been doing this all day and night. Throw your nets on the other side. All right. Lord, I won't be a fisherman anymore. That was his salvation experience. But you know what our salvation experience? The grace of Jesus makes me where I don't have to leave anything behind. I know y'all laughing at me, and I'm not stupid right now, but it's true. It's truth. We're not called to leave anything. We're not called to separate ourselves. We're not called to be consecrated to anything, and we expect to birth a new thing, and all we're doing is we're replanting empty vessels called believers. Verse 6. I'm sorry, I, I, I skipped the passage. Talking about those set-apart people, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. You're not like that. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have God's mercy. Here's how grace works. We don't have to earn the set apart. The reason they had to take a Nazarite vow is they had no blood that bought them the set apart. 
they did not have the blood of Jesus that consecrated them. Jesus says, you don't have to measure up by earning anymore. I bought the right for you to have the identity as a Nazarite, as royal, as a priesthood. But this is where the church gets it wrong. So you're good. No. I bought the right for it to be placed on you, so now you only have one responsibility. Not to earn it, walk it out. You're called sons and daughters, now live as. And they will know if you are sons and daughters by your works. You see the balance? If you are not living or doing, then you are not living in your identity, therefore they will not know you. Therefore there is so much unfulfilled potential and therefore you will never birth a new thing and therefore you will never change anything and therefore you are not walking in your purpose. Even though you may be succeeding and producing fruit in the means of a worldly culture. That's why he says do not get consumed by worldly pleasures. Just because you make money, have a house, have a car, and do great things does not mean you have been walking in your purpose. Because you're measuring it by a different fruit system. Hmm. See, okay, verse 6. That's why I had to start a church, because if I preached that in a denomination, I'd be fired after week one. Verse 6. Is this all right? I know. Verse 6. <laughs> the woman ran and told her husband, a man of God appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. I didn't ask where he was from. He didn't tell me his name, but he told me, you're going to become pregnant, give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden fruit, for your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. And then Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord, please let this man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about the son who is to be born. Notice what the husband says. He doesn't question his wife like, woman, you ain't having no kids. No, he's just like, God, give us more instructions. You ever notice that many times when God wants to do a new thing, we get step one, but instead of asking for step two, we assume for step two based off of step one? I fell into that trap when I started this church. God said, birth a new thing called relentless. So you know what my step two was? Go look at every other church and try to replicate it. Instead of asking God, what do I do with it? So for two or three years, I had to realize everything I was doing that this church did and that church did and this church did. God was like, I gave that for them, idiot. <laughs> and then after two or three years, God was like, are you ready to listen? You know, it was after I started realizing I never asked for step two. God says start a church, and I started copying and pasting everyone else's stuff and just inserting relentless, because no church has ever done that, right? But that's what we do with everything in our lives. We want to birth a new thing, but we never consult God for, all right, now what? We assume the other models work. We get dependent on that because God was in that. That's, that's a big problem with spirit-filled churches. They try to replicate revivals of yesterday instead of realizing there's a reason it stopped and God said, let's do something new. Maybe this time we realize it's not necessarily a revival of something old. It's a restoration that is to be sustained. It's a revival on the way to a restored thing, Right? Revival's not an event to be put on. Just because you call it revival don't mean it is revival. The man says, Lord, give us more instructions. We don't want to mess this up. I read a verse in Proverbs 30, verses 5 through 6. I love it. It says, every word of God proves true. If it ain't a word of God, it ain't going to prove true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not 
add to his words. Or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. Don't add to his words. Sometimes he gives you a little to provoke a move of faith into an unknown area which makes us depend on seeking. But we like to add to the words so we can make people get behind the cause. (laughs) And all this man does, he doesn't try to add to it. He doesn't say, well, baby, if uh, God's given us a child, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. He doesn't add any. He just says, well, let's ask God for more. Let's ask God for the next thing. Let's ask God for more confirmation. I think confirmation has almost become like a cuss word in the church. Well, God's already said it. Why you need it confirmed? Why not? If God's going to do it, it says his word is going to come to pass. So why not ask for a confirmation? It's going to happen anyways. The Bible says test the spirits. I don't care if Billy Graham rose from the dead and gave me a word. I'm going to ask for a confirmation. Because <laughs> first of all, if Billy Graham rose from the dead, I can guarantee it ain't Billy Graham. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Is that too much? Okay. God's word is going to prove true. Why not confirm it? This is all that guy's wanting. And then he's like, I want more instruction. I want to know what to do with it. If you want to birth a new thing, how do I manage it? And then the next part of the scripture, this just proves my theory that my loving father is like one of the most sarcastic individuals in the world. I love sarcasm. And I just, for me, he just speaks to me sarcastically sometimes. Watch what God does. He's so funny. Look at verse 9. God answers Manoah's prayer. And the angel of God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, the man who appeared to me the other day is here again. So Manoah runs back with his wife and asks, are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes, I am. Who else called himself I am? (laughs) Now watch how sarcastic he gets. I mean, it's just my version of sarcasm. Maybe I'm just being blasphemous right now, but... Verse 12, so Manoah asked him, when your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord replied, be sure your wife follows the instructions I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins, drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or any other forbidden food. Look at the question. What do you want us to do once it's born? Answer, follow the instructions of how it's going to get born. What do, what do you want me to do once it's born? God's answer. Follow my instructions to get it born. And sometimes when God wants to birth a new thing, we want to know what we're going to do with it before we even get it. And because we don't get clarity of what we're going to do with it, we don't have the faith to let it be birthed. Because we put it through the cultural lens of something the world teaches us. You better know what you're getting into. And that's, I believe that's one reason why so many people don't want to serve in the house of God. You know what you're getting into? What does it matter? It's the house of God. Well, I might get burnt. So? They might hurt me in the church. So, it will happen. Get over it. I I want church to be a safe place. That don't stop you from working in the world. But let me just, let me just, can I just go there for a second? People are going to make mistakes in the house of God. 
Let's be so intimate and personal that we can talk about the mistake and grow together in it. Let leaders like myself be humble to say, you know what, I did mess up. Grow together, be made stronger, and walk forward. Why are we so timid to walk forward? Because of hurt. Can you, can you imagine if Peter would have got offended when Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. If I did that to one of y'all, oh, I'm chained to churches. If I did that to a worship team singer when they hit a wrong note. <laughs> y'all know worship team people. They don't. <laughs> Just kidding. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They need Jesus. God says, I just need faith to birth it. Don't get too caught up in the next step. Just be faithful in the current thing. But we do that with everything. God, I just wish I had a new place so I could start over. Well, if you would just be faithful in the instructions in your current place, maybe I'll give you the new place. I just wish you'd give me a new job. Well, if you would just be faithful in the instructions I gave you in your current job. God, I wish you'd just give me a new, a new friend. Well, if you would just be humble with your current. God, I wish you'd just give me, I wish you would, I wish you would. Follow the instructions that I've already given you and what you're failing in now. We always want to start over. We always want the next. And God's like, you want to birth a new thing? Listen to my culture. Turn your other cheek. Be humble. Serve. Bless. Sometimes the biggest key in the new thing is simply being obedient in the current thing. Look at verse 15. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat. This is where it gets so cool, y'all. I'm about to close. I will stay, the angel of the Lord replied, but I'm not going to eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord. Manoah didn't realize it was the angel of the Lord. And then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, what's your name? For when all this comes, when all this comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name, the angel of the Lord replied. It's too wonderful for you to understand. You know who else said, you know what, I don't need food right now. I just want to glorify God. Man does not live by bread alone. You know who else said that? Jesus. You know who else said, you know what, don't, don't glorify me. Let's just glorify the Father. You know who else said that? Jesus. And then this angel of the Lord said, you want to know my name? I can't tell you my name because it's too wonderful. Since we're getting to the Christmas season, I thought it was inappropriate. Isaiah 9-6. For us, a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful. You know who they were talking to this entire time? Jesus. And just in case you think I'm stretching a little bit, it's in the scripture coming up. Spoiler alert. They were talking to Jesus the entire time. Why do I want to bring that up? Because every new thing that needs to be birthed should be birthed out of the instruction of the word of God. Jesus has always been. He even was in the Old Testament because Jesus is the word, the word that became flesh. God said, if I want to birth something new that's going to bring redemption to my people, it's got to be birthed out of a word. And you remember how they described the angel? It was, they were, it, it was scary. It was something to be frightened of. It was mighty and great. For those of you that think you see angels every day looking like little babies with harps, and that ain't what angels look like. They nine foot tall, six arms, 45 fingers, fire coming out their eyes. They, they ain't like, oh, I saw an angel. No, 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 no. They, 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 they will make I don't know why I'm doing the list thing, but they will make you question yourself. 
And it was just the word of God being manifested. It was Jesus. He was speaking because he had not come in the form the way a man would have received him yet. And he said, and he's like, I want you to live in this Nazarite vow. You need to live set apart if you're going to change it. And we live on the other side of it where he says, you don't have to earn the vow. You don't have to earn the right. You don't have to earn anything. My blood did that. But just walk it out, sons and daughters. Walk it out. So then in verse 19, Manoah took a goat and a grain offering, offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. Better than Pixar, better than Universal, better than DreamWorks, better than Disney, better than anything you could ever think of. They, you think they creative? Look what God did before they could ever get LED and pixels. Look at this, verse 20. Flames from the altar shot up toward the sky. The angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized, that's an angel of the Lord. <laughs> and he said to his wife, we going to die. Because we've seen who? God. Not an angel. God. But his wife said, if the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our offering and our grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. <laughs> the wisdom of a woman. They offered a sacrifice. Flames shot up toward the sky. Jesus ascended in fire and they witnessed it and realized it was God. Can you imagine what kind of fire of revival will be birthed out of the people that would simply learn how to offer our lives as a sacrifice? That's all it was. We're going to offer a sacrifice. We're going to live set apart. Great things are birthed out of sacrifice. Great things are birthed out of obedience. Great things are birthed out of your offering for his glory. And some of us need to be reminded today that of what Manoah's wife had to remind her husband. God's not done with you, and God doesn't want to end you or kill you just because you got some mistakes or just because you didn't recognize him, just because you missed his voice, just because you've been getting it wrong for so long, just because you, 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 you didn't recognize him when he came to you last night or yesterday or 10 years ago, or just because you didn't raise your kids the right way up till now, or just because you haven't asked for forgiveness. No, no, no. God, there's a, there's a reason God created you. You've got a purpose, you've got a plan, and you still have unfulfilled potential. And he says, you may have not released anything yet, but I want to do it now. I've earned that right for you. Now, would you simply set yourselves apart and walk in it? That's all I want you to do. Well, I've got so much i got to change. How do I do that? Consecrate yourselves and start sacrificing the things that you love more than God. And when you start to do that, new things are going to start to be birthed. And when new things are birthed, God's going to start speaking to you. I want you to manage it like this. Because you're going to be in a posture of seeking him. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to say? Lord, how do you want me to steward? Lord, I'm getting all this financial blessing. What do you want me to do with it? Lord, I'm, I'm getting these relationships. What do you, I'm getting these friendships. I'm getting these new jobs. I'm getting this new work. I'm getting, I'm getting dreams for ministry. I'm getting dreams for a new idea. What do you want? What do you want? Here's the instruction. Here's the instruction. Here's the instruction. Here's the instruction. All because of set yourselves apart and sacrifice yourselves as everything you do as an offering for me. And the very last two verses of the scripture Verse 24, when her son was born, she named him Samson. 
And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Mahanadon, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Ashtel. The moment Samson was birthed, the spirit began to stir him up. And I'm telling you, the moment things are start to be birthed out of you, the Holy Spirit, there will begin a stirring. I believe that's why there is a stirring in this house, because new things are starting to be birthed. There's intimacy. There's family. There's, there's, there's financial blessings coming, all because we are starting to sacrifice less of us, more of you, less of our models, less of our structures. God, what do you want? Oh, you want this apostolic church thing? Okay, what does it look like? Are we willing to lose people to walk into it? Absolutely. Are we willing to look a little different? Absolutely. Am I willing to have pastors and churches call me day to day and tell me that I'm totally blasphemous and wrong, which does happen? Absolutely. Because I don't want their acceptance. I want the Lord's. Are we willing for that? Absolutely. 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 I want to birth a new thing. You want to birth a new thing? Can we just say amen to that? Amen. Let's stand. Let's give God praise this morning.